Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about digital body language with leadership expert and author Erica Dewan. You'll also learn how scientists brought multiple molecules into the same quantum state and why that's a big deal. Let's satisfy some curiosity. For the past year, many office workers have had very little in-person interaction with their colleagues, Ashley and me. And when you're exchanging all your information over email, chat, or Zoom, it can be hard to get a sense of how they're feeling. I mean, was that message angry, impatient, relaxed? It's hard to tell. Well, if you're struggling with sending and interpreting digital body language, then today's guest can help. Erica Dewan is a globally recognized leadership expert and the author of Digital Body Language, How to Build Trust and Connection No Matter the Distance. And she's got some tips for how to keep the peace in digital communication. I have a few email best practices to master good digital body language. And this will not only help you in a remote world, it will help you when you're back at the office because we all know we live in a world of email. So a few quick tips to start subject lines. I believe that the subject line is the new virtual first impression. Within the first seven milliseconds of meeting someone, we make a judgment about them. I like to say subject lines are that new first impression. Is it clear what the topic is about? Is there a response time expectation? With many of my clients, we've created acronyms like 2D means I need this in two days or 4H means I need this in four hours. So individuals know what the topic is and how to prioritize it. In the body of your email, I like to say email is visual now. You have to think about it like a website. People don't read long prose anymore in an email. Use bullet points, bold, underline headings. Think about your font style. Remember that they think about it in a very visual way. One example with one of my clients is we started every email with a who, what, when template for work requests just to avoid people having to you know, act very nice and then send a long email with a lot of niceties when they just wanted to get to the point. Another thing that you can do in your email is be thoughtful about responses. For example, one acronym that I invented with a team was NNTR, which means no need to respond. That simple acronym will waste, uh, avoid wasting a lot of time of follow-ups. And you can use other acronyms to be thoughtful of others' time. For example, ROM, which means respond on Monday. So if you send something on Sunday morning, you're not rushing your whole team to respond and ruining their weekend. So first, think about the art of the subject line. Second, think about your email as visual and use, use simple, clear norms so that people know what to do next. And last but not least, my final rule is when you think about the two line and the CC line and the BCC line, these are not trivial things. I like to say the two line expects someone to respond to your message. Unless you write NNTR, the CC line expect that they should just read it and they won't respond to it. And then the BCC line, my general rule of thumb is don't use it unless you don't want everyone to reply all. Otherwise, they feel kind of like they're spying. So those are some general rules that will allow you to build credibility in a great repertoire, even by email. I guess a big question for me is a couple of my favorite things to use in digital communication are exclamation points and emoji. So where do they fall in the body language? Because I'm guessing they're not perceived equally everywhere. And, and what's the best way to use those? So let's talk about exclamation points first. Exclamation points are almost like your eyebrows. They can be raised eyebrows and you're excited. They can be furrowed. I, I like to describe exclamation points as having three different types of meetings. One type can be urgency. You need something in a rushed 
period. The other type of meaning it can have is excitement. I'm so excited. And you may have multiple exclamation points for that. And a third type is shouting. Why didn't you finish this exclamation point, exclamation point, coming from an Indian family? That may be more common in, in my culture, but we've all been there and we've all seen some of those alarming or threatening exclamation point messages. And so as you think about using exclamation points, it's incredibly important to know your audience, be thoughtful about making sure others will interpret your exclamation points in the right way. And lastly, know that they are interpreted a bit differently across gender. In fact, research shows that women feel more pressured to use multiple exclamation points and are expected to versus men do not feel that same type of pressure to soften their messages. Now, let's go to emojis. Emojis, I would describe as our new facial expressions. Are we smiling? Are we angry? Are we pouting? Or do we have purse lips? You know, we, we see that whether we're happy, sad, grateful, and all the different range of the thousands of emojis that exist. My general rule here is, again, think before you emoji. Make sure you have that level of trust with someone. I think emojis have become much more common now to signal not only happiness, but also in certain cases, passive aggressiveness or anger as well. And the last thing I'll say on emojis as well is they can be used differently in different cultures. For example, the thumbs up emoji in Western cultures uh, means, okay, got it, you know, we're good. But in other cultures, like in Nigeria and Afghanistan, it's a vulgar, offensive emoji. So remember that emojis are not all the same around the world and be conscious of that in your digital body language. And then I guess the final thing is, what are people's expectations when it comes to timing? How do we set and how do we meet those expectations? We live in a 24-7 world where, let's be honest, it's hard to keep up. And oftentimes, especially in the last year, it feels like the pace has just moved faster, where individuals expect you to respond within five minutes instead of five hours or five days as in the past. We all remember when we used to leave a voicemail for someone and think it was acceptable if they responded in a week or maybe in two weeks. Now, if that's a few hours, we may feel anxiety. Timing anxiety is a big issue. If we don't hear back from someone, we may start to wonder what's going on, then we may ruminate about it, and then we might follow up. My general rule of thumb is if you haven't heard back from someone, you have anxiety, Set some norms in your messages around a response time expectations, like I talked about, 2H or 4D. And if you haven't heard back, it gives you the liberty to follow up appropriately. If you are still not hearing back, know when to switch the medium. Pick up the phone if it is urgent. And if you're on the recipient end, if you're receiving a lot of messages with expectations around timing, one simple thing you can do is respond immediately and say, got it, we'll be back to you soon, or we'll be back to you tomorrow. This will allow others to know that you're on it, but that will give them the space to not bother you and feel anxious, but it'll allow you to give yourself your own space to follow up appropriately. Yeah, those quick notes that say, hey, I'll get back to you on Thursday. I mean, is there anything better? Again, that was Erica Dewan, a globally recognized leadership expert and the author of Digital Body Language, How to Build Trust and Connection No Matter the Distance. You can find a link to pick up the book in today's show notes. You probably know about most of the states of matter, right? There's liquid, solid, gas, and the slightly fancier plasma. But you may not know about the fifth, which is way weirder. Bose-Einstein condensate. For the first time, scientists at the University of Chicago have wrangled molecules into this weird state of matter. These experiments give scientists a new way to probe the secrets of quantum chemistry. 
The first thing to know about Bose-Einstein condensate is that it's pretty extreme. It exists at super cold temperatures and super low densities. These extremes made it tough to create in the lab. Although it was predicted in 1924, it wasn't until 1995 that Bose-Einstein condensate was first created. To produce it, scientists cool materials to super low temperatures by reducing the pressure, which makes them condense. That's where it gets weird. Instead of an assortment of atoms that each behave as individuals, in Bose-Einstein condensate, every atom has identical properties and their behavior is identical too. So, like, imagine a group of square dancers. They all move the same way at the same time. Bose-Einstein condensate behaves like a group of tiny, spherical square dancers. Thanks to the coordinated way they move, microscopic properties of Bose-Einstein condensate are amplified to the macroscopic level. This boost gives scientists a way to take ultra-precise measurements. Okay, so now imagine that instead of dancing as individuals, the dancers are paired off. Rather than just moving left and right, forward and back as individuals, they have lots of new dance moves they can try. The pairs can spin together or shimmy and sway in tandem. Like the dancers, Bose-Einstein condensate molecules have a whole bunch of new ways they can move. They can even behave like tiny magnets, and a lattice of these tiny magnets could be used for quantum information processing. That's why this experiment is such a breakthrough. Scientists have wrangled molecules, not just atoms, into this strange state of matter. They started with Bose-Einstein condensate of about 60,000 cesium atoms. Then, to get the cesium atoms to get into the right positions, they used what's called a dipole trap to confine them to a disc-shaped layer. Finally, a pulse of energy paired them up into molecules. If we shrunk ourselves to watch our Bose-Einstein condensate dancers, it would be quite the party. We'd see a single round room with 60,000 individual square dancers, where the walls were made out of blue laser light. That light is what traps the atomic dancers on the dance floor. Then a pulse of energy encourages them to pair off to form molecules. The atoms that aren't paired up get shooed away, so only pairs are left out on the dance floor. There you have it, Bose-Einstein condensate molecules. Thanks to these experiments, scientists have a new way to test theories about the fundamental laws of physics and can make new discoveries about chemistry at the quantum level. Definitely a development worth dancing about. Let's do a quick recap of what we learned today, starting with the fact that when it comes to digital body language, you should make sure that the subject line of your email is crystal clear because that's kind of like an in-person first impression. Other tips involve making sure your emails contain expectations like due dates and use bullet points and formatting to keep things short and sweet and let people know if they don't need to respond right away or at all because nobody likes having that extra stress in their life. I feel like I'm still learning what all of the business acronyms are. And I know that if I was on a team where these acronyms were used all the time, I would I would get used to them immediately. But, you know, sometimes people say EOD. Sometimes people say EOB. It's like, what's the, what is end of day, end of business day? COB, close of business. Close of business. Yes. I'm an EOD kind of guy. I don't yeah. like the COB. It bothers me. I like EOD. And also you should be mindful of when you use exclamation marks in caps lock. Boy, I feel like this is really speaking to my soul. 
partly because I use a lot of exclamation points and caps lock, and also because research shows that women feel more pressure to use multiple exclamation points. Weird, right? And then as far as emoji, you can think of them as digital facial expressions, but it's probably best to use them with people after you've established some level of trust. And be extra careful when using them with international contacts since they can mean wildly different things. Yeah, I'm so paranoid to use thumbs up now. It's pretty bad. For me, the worst message one can get is the dreaded lowercase k. Just one lowercase k. Hey, I'm running late to the meeting. Be right there. K. Yeah. What does it mean? Dread in my heart. So for me, my tip is always at a second K. KK <laughs> is just so much more friendly than K. I don't know why. It doesn't require you to hit shift one for the exclamation point. It's really easy. Just double tap. KK, we're all good. I would say never put more than two. Just stick to the two. But yeah, one's not enough. Two is just right. I feel like a lot of women know the struggle of writing an email and then going back through it and deleting half of the exclamation points so that you sound more authoritative. I do that all the time. I've also noticed huge cultural differences overseas because when I worked for a global consulting firm, the emails from our European colleagues were long, several paragraphs. The American colleagues, it was like, dude, three bullet points or you're done. I'm not reading it if it's more than that. So a lot to consider, but that's why you should check out the book. Yeah. Oh, I feel like one tip that I have as someone who regularly reaches out to important people to try to get them to like be on the podcast and things like that. Put your ask in the first line. Don't spend a lot of time explaining yourself, introducing yourself, saying why you're great. Just be like, I am interested in you doing this. And then... In the following paragraph or so, you can say why. But always good to front load your ask. That's my tip. Excellent advice. And we also learned that researchers wrangled molecules into Bose-Einstein condensate. This gives researchers a new way to test theories about the fundamental laws of physics. And they can make new discoveries about chemistry at the quantum level. Huge, but also really tiny, but huge but like really, really tiny. <laughs> the writer for today's last story was Brianna Brownell. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also an audio editor on today's episode. Our producer and lead audio editor is Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow. That's putting the ask up top to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.